and the name that makes it happen No further introduction to the man that's worth tracking City's clapping for his relentless backing A vasty against the former team that just went packing While they're slacking and other hosts are lacking He tells it like it is on issues that nobody's tackling While he's racking, the ones who keep on grappling The listeners, some followers who get it, keep on stacking Great friend, and the type to set a trend President to see where haters with the men, there's no pretend 17 years, he along with Pierce Entertaining Southern Kelly, backed by popular demand Intense for the listeners to resonate To the hottest topics of the day, check the resume While some local leaders seem to lack the unity My man uses his voice to do what's best for the community Westwood One, catch him on the sidelines Reporting live, what we later see in highlights No holds barred, just like on his timeline Sun filter podcast, no need to follow guidelines Meet any criteria, dropping bombs like Syria Touching down, all around, connected like Expedia Coming to your speakers live from the city, yo Bestie, welcome to the Scott Kaplan Media Great friends. Ooh, you could hear that. That's, that's some rusty old radio equipment in the Mighty 1090 studios where I record these opens to this week's installment of the solo podcast. And this week's pretty, pretty interesting because Ernie Hahn, my longtime very close friend, has run the arena here in San Diego forever. And it just got a new name, the Pachanga Arena. And Ernie's one of the most opinionated guys who comes from a family and a legacy that helped build the city of San Diego, literally downtown San Diego. So I went to see Ernie this week because it turns out that the day I visited with Ernie was the day after the Chargers had been knocked out of the AFC playoffs by the Patriots. Ernie, as you're about to hear, is having a big emotional issue with his love for the team when it was in San Diego versus his displeasure with ownership now that it's in L.A. and the inability to you know uh, rationalize those two competing feelings. But that's just where we start, just a couple of friends talking sports. But we get to a rumor that Ernie is planning to run for mayor in San Diego. And we'll talk about that this week. Also, his new downtown music festival. We'll talk about that. And ultimately, we wind up talking about life, passion. Um, unfortunately, he was going through some personal stuff and there was a death involved. So it, it gets personal as well. So this week's installment of the Scott Kaplan solo podcast features my longtime dear friend, Ernie Hahn. And I invite you to enjoy this because Ernie Hahn can talk as much as anybody I know. And I'll just shut up right now and say, here's this week's version, this week's episode, episode two of 2019, the Scott Kaplan Solo Podcast with Ernie Hahn. Dude, not one word has been spoken between us other than just a hello hug. I said, please, don't. Don't talk to me until now because the mics are rolling. Well, uh, happy Monday. Yeah. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah. Love you, buddy. Love you too, man. I'm so glad to do this. This is round two. You know, you were such a huge hit on this podcast last year. I couldn't wait to come back and I picked... As it, I'm just fortunate and lucky this way, I picked the perfect time to come see you. Because I know you have a lot of Charger sports-related feelings. And with the Chargers being knocked out of the playoffs yesterday, when they finally had to go into hostile territory in cold weather and face a real team with a real quarterback, with a real coach, and everything else, they got bounced and destroyed and sent home. Yeah, they got outcoached. From 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 kind of the opening snap, they were out coached in that game, and you could see it right away. Uh, somebody did their homework against them and studied a lot of film, and uh, they were ready for them. You know the thing about out coaching though is is um, people say, well, you know, this is the year. There's something special about these guys, and then on the other side with the Patriots, they say, well, they're done. They're, they don't have what they used to have. They don't have the weapons. What people never account for is the real human thing that happens, which is when you're a young player in the NFL and you've never been there before, never played in this environment against that guy before, and you shit your pants, it happens. And everybody talks the same game when they go there. This is our year. We can do it. Very, very few have ever accomplished it. And it took Hall of Fame players and teams that went on to win Super Bowls to go in there and win. Like the Baltimore Ravens did. Well, he's he's still the guy until proven otherwise. And uh, I, I saw the stat. You saw it too. It was either 10 or 11 consecutive 
uh, conference. I mean, uh, in their division championships, yeah. and they're they're trying to go back for I, I don't know what year row it is for the. I think I saw eighth straight <laughs> AFC championship I mean, game. Total, uh, utter dynasty that's domination. As dominant as I can ever remember anything, at least in my lifetime. Same for a, for a, and for football for right. sure. But I'm just trying to think of. Think of Steelers dynasties. Think of um, Cowboys dynasties. Think think of 49ers dynasties. Nothing. Buffalo Bills making four Super Bowls. Um, Atlanta Braves. Nothing in our lifetimes compares to what the New England Patriots are. Yeah, I just found it so interesting. When I say they were out coached, they came in and they went with a completely different game plan for this team at that time from the first second. Other things that I've been crying about for years when we used to watch the Chargers, when we had LT and even Breeze and all stuff, and the Schottenheim ranges where it was always LT up the middle on first down for half a yard. And I just said, why do we keep wasting? Why, why does Philip only get two downs <laughs> every three downs? <laughs> why do we waste up the middle? Uh, you know, it could be anybody. And so I saw it yesterday, and I was, I was with my son. I, my, my thought on this I don't know if my first, last thought on this in the end is, I was almost sucked back in. You were almost sucked back in. What are you saying? Are I you was, saying that if they would have beaten the Patriots? I was, I was, it, it was getting to inner raw emotions where I almost cried uncle and just said, maybe I don't dislike him as much as I thought. Obviously, love Philip, love Gates. There's a lot of us that are kind of going for these guys, okay. right? And after those two guys, no. Do you have any emotion no. for Melvin Gordon, Keenan Allen, Nobody. Joey Bosa, Melvin no. Ingram? No, because they're they're all part of LA. These these are two guys that were integral to the life and communication and the community in San Diego, and they're both Hall of Fame guys. So they're special. And and then I just my son came to me the other day, who's been really upset. He won't even watch the games. And he goes, I'm really, I'm, I'm really struggling with this. Like, I feel like I'm being sucked back in, but I can't go back in if you don't go back in. <laughs> we had this conversation yesterday. Yeah. yeah. And I said, I'm right on the edge. I, I, I'm, I don't think so. And then they started getting really beaten. I go, thank God. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. It's so funny because you know that, that the Charger discussion that I knew was going to go on long after they moved it got really nasty here in the last few weeks. It was one thing when people just were jabbing at each other on Twitter and they were arguing with each other in the, the, the world of Twitter. But things got like really personally nasty between people over the last few weeks because so many people are conflicted like yeah. you are. In fact, people are saying to me, well, you must be really glad that the Chargers lost to the Patriots. And my answer was no. I actually was rooting for them to win. Yeah. And the reason I was rooting for them to win is because selfishly speaking – the more the Chargers win, the longer their season goes, the more interesting they are, guaranteed the more controversial they are, and I feel like I'm in the middle of stirring the shit between the guys like me who will never support a Spanos-owned product and the guys over here who are in that emotional conflict yeah. or the guys that are already right back on the bandwagon. Yeah. And so uh, I wanted the Chargers to win. I wanted to see where this story would go. I didn't think that we were looking at the end of the story. But then reality hits and, and Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and Gillette Stadium and undefeated during the regular season and destroyers over this dynasty at home. And then you got a young team that goes in there and just shits their pants. Yeah, it I was, was not as happy as everybody thought I was going to be. Yeah, and I wasn't happy. It was just it was just disappointing. And at the end, it is what it is. You know, we we by the way, we're, st we're still without a team. Same deal. I uh, found it very interesting. The week before Baltimore goes in there, and I was listening to the ratings, and all of these teams, kind of when you come into L.A. or you're playing around L.A. on the TV ratings, are doing like a 15 to 18 points, right? That's what the Eagles did that weekend uh, against, uh, who did they beat? Uh, Chicago. Uh, it's also what the Chargers did at the Ravens. Uh, found it very interesting. 31 points. Uh, on the 31 uh, on the rating for San Diego. Right. A 60 share. Right. Ernie, the, the 60%. So I just go back again in the end is my grandpa used to tell me something that's it's not a mistake if you actively make an effort to fix it and fix it. It can maybe be a mistake, but it doesn't always have to be a mistake. So what I would say as I look at all this two years later is 
it is proven day in and day out they have 16 road games. It is proven when you look at the ratings of what's going on in Los Angeles, in San Diego, that this is their home. This is where they love. Why it's so different and why it's so raw, and you could correct me on this, no team has ever moved an hour and a half up north for the big move. They've moved cross countries and other areas. And so as you grow up in San Diego, one thing you learn early on is we hate L.A. and L.A. sports. We just don't love him. Thank God for Camp Pendleton. I think I said that in the first podcast. I'll say it. I'll say it till I die. Geographically, we are oil and water. And at the end of the day, it is still proven that San Diego does love this team. San Diego could support this team or a team. They don't love them up there. They're headed for more disaster. The NFL, the biggest, you know, sports league in the world needs to figure that out. But the tribe continues to speak on every rating, on every game, every time you're in the middle of this. You don't have to make it up. It's not you and I bashing or talking about it. The tribe is speaking every single week on how people act, and the ratings ultimately tell you a whole different story. It is incredible that the Chargers are viewed by a greater percentage of televisions overwhelmingly in San Diego. Twice as much. Than they are in L.A., now, there's more homes, and there's more people in L.A., and there's more people for them to reach and sell tickets to and what have you. But if that were the case, Cleveland wouldn't have the Browns, and Green Bay wouldn't have the Packers, and Jacksonville wouldn't have the Jaguars, and Buffalo wouldn't have the Bills. I mean, you own your backyard. And what they've done is, is and, and everybody says, well, winning will fix it all. Winning didn't fix anything this didn't year. didn't change anything. It, 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 all it did was is it had a lot of people in San Diego who were so upset about the move, winning got them back on the bandwagon, what you were fighting emotionally. Yeah. It happened for a lot of people. I understand why. I watched every game. Yeah. I watched every play. Um, I knew I was going to catch a ton of shit the better they were. And the, the longer it went, the more exciting it became. Because here's what I said when the Chargers were still in San Diego. What the NFL did for us, at least in our industry, my industry, is it brought more content to the conversation. I wouldn't know jack shit about the Rams if they were in St. Louis. But the fact that they're in L.A., Ernie, Saturday, I had to work that game in, in L.A. That's right, you had okay? it up. So um, I, I didn't get a hotel room in did LA. You work sidelines? I worked sidelines did. For, for radio. So here's the thing. So normally, awesome. if, if a game is in Oakland, if a game is in San Francisco, if a game, I have to get on a plane. I got to go fly. So they said, look, for this LA game, do you want a hotel room on Saturday night or Friday night? I said, no, don't. Thanks anyway. I slept in my own bed. I woke up. I exercised. I got in my car at 11. I got to the Coliseum at like 1.30, and it was only because I made a stop along the way. I was in the Coliseum. I, I worked the entire game. And when the game was over, it took me... It took me longer to get from the Coliseum to the freeway than it did from the freeway back down to Solana Beach. It wasn't that bad going to the Coliseum, but it was a monster event. It was the Dallas Cowboys and the Rams. And I don't know how how the Rams will duplicate the magic that they've created in that stadium. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. But I can tell you this. Snoop Dogg is waving the towel on the Jumbotron. And Peyton Manning's got his kid in an Aaron Donald jersey. And the commissioner of the league is walking around. And by the way, here comes LeBron James. LeBron's walking through. And the, the Lakers players come walking through. What I'm saying to you is L.A. has already bought into the Rams. And the celebrity world and the, and the sports teams of L.A. have adopted the Rams as the welcome home team. That's their team. The Chargers are... And continue to be and will be. Don't tell me the Clippers. That's a bad comparison. Lakers to Clippers, bad comparison. That's way worse. It's Lakers to Sparks. Yeah. The, the Chargers are the Sparks to the Rams. They're the WNBA franchise in comparison to the Rams. And I'm not saying this to be malicious and mean-spirited and root for their failure. Because I don't think rooting against people is a good thing to do. But it just, I'm telling you that everywhere around L.A., you see signage, Rams, and their sponsors. You don't see Chargers anywhere. They are not wanted there, and they would be welcome home here. It would be. So that's my hope. And, my hope. and then you have yeah. Dean Spano saying this past week, by the way. I don't know if you saw it. Hey, Los Angeles is our home. That's our home. I mean, he like literally was quoted. Yeah. That's it. Fight for L.A. 
That's quite a slogan. It's hard to believe. Fight for somebody that doesn't want you. So Hard to believe they were this good this year, this team, and were this close. Phillip Rivers ever going to get this shot again? I don't think so. I felt bad for him again yesterday. I felt bad at at, at, literally every other play just getting the stuffing knocked out of him and getting up and just, you know, hurt his leg later on, wincing. He just is a man. He just finishes. He's strong. I love his passion. Uh, I'm a... I'll be a fan of his for life. And Antonio Gates still doing what he does. And, you know, caught that touchdown late in the game. If I'm Antonio, off into the sunset. I'm going to the hall. I should be done, too. No more, no more hits. No more CTE. No, none of this other stuff. It, like, you've proven everything you need to prove. And I'd say the same thing for Phillip. Um, but I think he, in his mind, clearly uh, wants to prove more. Uh, end of the day, I'll go back to it's not a mistake unless you fix it. Uh, my hope against hope. At time, there's plenty of money. There's plenty of people out there. I heard people talking about it. Get the right group. Money's not a problem in the end. Put some money into the existing stadium. Get a long-term plan if it's through the state program or whatever. Uh, try to get a team back here. Try to get that team back here because um, if it's going to go somewhere else and it needs to go somewhere else, it should come right back down the I-5 and head right back to its home where people still love them, where I didn't even see the numbers from this last weekend. They had to be even stronger against New England, but 60% of the houses the weekend before had their TV sets on the Charger game. Uh, Tribe has spoken. Pretty clear. Yep. I'm glad we're talking about this because this is one of the things I was hoping to talk about today, which was bringing things to San Diego. Um wanting to do things for this community wanting to do bigger things for this community so i'm really happy that we started with this and and i'll just start with i'm i'm bearing gifts today for you okay i know your wife loves these sided.co baseball caps it all the time the trucker caps i love these so i've also brought t-shirts for you and i know your son at least one of your kids is still home all right here's one for your wife i want everybody wearing the sided gear loves this stuff too she loves the sided she's always talking about and then lastly lastly you'll have to take a look at some of these new callaway sided golf balls which you'll you'll enjoy spreading around good well you know that's all i play all i play is the chrome soft with our our boy jay he's the best um well well you 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 were with me when i first started this company and was soliciting investment dollars etc and we're like a year and a half after the fact and we're getting ready to go into our our second raise our second round yeah and i can't even believe that we're still alive and in biz i mean i get that from a lot of our investors like wow you've really made this small amount of money go a long way so for me the more i can spread the word and and have people wear this gear and put it it on social media and people say what's sided.co and then people go to the website which is still very much in development and early phase and then they can sign up for an account they can get involved and they can watch how we're building this company yeah. and how i mean it's been a pretty crazy run well, and i heard you talk about it the other day when you're finishing up um it's either thursday or friday i think billy ray was there so maybe it was friday maybe it was friday um and you heard you talking about it in a nice little promo piece i think um well i'll tell you why you're still around uh it's because of you and when you talk about individuals and you talk about passion, it really comes down to passion. Do you believe in it? Because if you believe in it, you're really not trying to sell it. You're just sharing your passion with somebody else. And people love that because people love people that wholeheartedly believe in something, want to make something better, want to change people's lives, want to change an industry or a paradigm shift or whatever. And it's one of the reasons you and I have always connected so well because, uh, we love our kids, we love our family, we love our city, and we love what we do. You know, you prepare every day to go on radio or go up and do the, you know, do your telecast or, or, or you know, NFL, et cetera, and, and, but you, you love doing it. It's what shows, it's why people listen to you. So this company's still around because of what you've done and the passion that you push it with it. If you're not the helm, it's probably not still around and certainly doesn't have a chance for a second bite with more funding. And that's a connection you and I will always have because whether it's the Caddy Hat Golf Tournament or other things that we'll talk about today or, you know, a tragedy that just happened in the last week, I see those things and I get sad and then they motivate me. Like, how can I use um, my abilities and my network and my friends and the city 
to do something better or make a change or bring something in the end. And um, I just love the city. And I'm going to be here until I die. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be working in the city with my family, with my wife, uh, until it's over. Hopefully, I got a lot more years to come. <laughs> yeah, really. But you never know. You don't. So, you never know. I, I, so can we talk about? I know it's yeah. it's relatively public. Yeah. I don't know that it's been highly publicized yet. Yeah. But but this is when you talk about passion, and thank you for everything you just said to me because it does mean a lot. Seriously, because I am so passionate about this company, because as someone who uses Twitter all the time and uses Instagram all the time. And I talk to all of my colleagues around the country, and we all say the same thing. I've never been paid by any of these platforms to create content on these platforms. Yep. This is the platform that ultimately will pay people, not just professional radio hosts or columnists or bloggers or, or YouTube stars. Everybody, the average person who wants to spend their time and wants to lend their opinion Everyone will have an opportunity to earn. And that's the, the big problem I'm trying to solve, if you will, yeah. is, that, is that everybody in the world today is hustling. Everybody's doing a little bit more, whether it's putting shit on eBay and selling it from your own home, or if it's Ubering on your way home because you have to drive 50 miles home and you're going to stop and pick people up. Everybody's doing more. And yet we're all on these social platforms and none of us receive anything. I want people to be paid for their time yeah. and their opinion, yeah. um, especially, by the way, when they're willing to share their name and who they really are and a lot about them, not hide behind some bullshit kind of, you yeah. know, uh, fake account. And that's, and that's, by the way, and it's a paradigm shift there, right? Because it's that hasn't been happening. And that kind of stuff takes time. It takes time for roots to seed, for others to believe and see and then understand. And then you'll get to a tipping point and it goes and then it becomes mainstream. But in the meantime, it takes the passion of what you got. Okay, passion. You're passionate. I mean, if you weren't passionate about this building, the arena, now new name, Pachanga Arena. Yeah. If you are passionate about this building and about providing great entertainment opportunities for people here in town, you probably would have gone on to do other things. It's not like this is your only thing that you have going on. You, like everybody else, has a hustle going. Yeah. I want to talk to you today about um, bringing things. We, we lost the Chargers. That's where we started. Yeah. But, but we, especially as we get a little bit older, right? Yeah. And your grandfather was one of the great... Uh, you know, leaders of this community and one of the somebody who helped develop San Diego. Your yeah. father was a, a very influential guy. Here you are now. You're not 25 anymore, yeah. you know. So it's time for you to, to do things, bigger things. Let's talk about the event that you're bringing to San Diego, because I've been kind of telling people a little bit about it, but I didn't know how much I could say. Yeah. I don't know how much you'll be able to tell us today. I hope yeah. a lot. Yeah. But it really does come down to your passion for this city for this industry and and putting those things together yeah well that's thank you for the nice intro i, I you know we've got an incredible relationship here with ag on the arena the thing's humming along uh going to be getting an extension a three plus couple year extension of the meeting with the city so people have been asking questions i've got 25 employees full-time that work here and their jobs a lot of them have been here for 30 40 years so it's important to them that we get that done. they're questioning whether or not aeg is going to get an extended lease here on the arena right yeah, there's exactly. been some talk about you know what the city wants to do with this building yeah. and with this and land. they want to redevelop this area over time there's still a 30 foot height ordinance in this area so that has to get repealed not an easy thing to do in the end. But one thing that does happen here is there's 130 events and 750,000 people that come to this 52-year-old building that still keeps kicking ass and taking names. We just added a fourth tenant. You know, the lacrosse team just started off. There were 10,000 people here on Saturday night. And I will tell you, I didn't know what to expect. I've heard all about it. I know Steve and Josh and everything they've been doing. And so I just came in, never seen a game, never even seen clips. I just came in. Had a couple beers, had some pizza, had a bunch of our friends, and I just said, I'm going to watch and see what I think. And it was rad. And I can't wait to have you come. And this Friday night, uh, yes. there's a home game, yes. and I have I, it on my calendar. I cannot wait because it's, uh, it's, it's as fast, if not faster than hockey. There's 12 to 15 goals that are scored on each team. You basically can hit somebody as many times as you want as you run by them and then hit them again. I'm not sure how you get a foul. I heard fouls called. I'm not sure what they got him for because I thought they were fouls before when the guy took 32 hits to the face as he was trying to move in for a goal. And there is fighting, although there wasn't a fight the other night. It's 
fast and back and forth and on the, you know, on the line flies, you know, changes back and forth. So hockey and soccer, the soccers are kicking ass and, and uh, the hockey, it's the hottest team in professional hockey is the goals. They've now have, they've gotten points in 13 straight games, which they've never done as a franchise here. They've moved from dead last to, you know, one point or two points out of second place. So Steve and his group are doing great. And then we've got the strike force, you know, a new arena football team that's coming and they need help. They need people to support and all that. And I'd suggested, you know, start a year later. You need a year. They wanted to come in hot and heavy and we'll do everything we can for them. The arena's crushing it and doing well. We're putting the time and effort to making it a better experience. I'm not putting the money into what it looks like on the outside because the outside doesn't pay any bills or any ROI. But I want your experience to be a 2019 experience inside. And for a 52-year-old building, I think we're doing a great job. Still have a ways to go. Going to keep working hard every day. So what else can we do? And I will tell you, a partner, a friend of mine, eight-plus years ago, an industry vet, a guy by the name of Paul Thornton, uh, who's done some incredible events. He was the one that was responsible for bringing the X Games from Los Angeles to Austin. Austin, Texas. Yeah. And he ran the uh, Formula One track there, all the entertainment. He built the 360 Amphitheater. And he's a young guy in the industry like me. We were always kind oh, of the young guys. A player yeah. in the business in Austin. In Austin. But before that, he ran for 15-plus years the largest concert promotion company in the Northwest, all the lost cities, all the tertiary markets, and he was based out of Boise. In fact, he had funding from Bill Silva, of Bill Silva Presents, helped him get kind of started in the business going back 25 years ago. And I had always heard his name and great things about him. Here's this young you know, uh, concert guy. Here's this young guy that's doing these incredible things. Here's this you know, 28-year-old arena manager and... We never really crossed paths. Well, about 10 plus years ago, we did. And then we started talking concept. And uh, this is uh, just started talking concept about the days when street scene was here and this incredible festival that took place downtown that Rob Hagee put on. You come around a city block and there'd be more stages and more stages. And um, what years do you think it was? Late 90s into the early 2000s. I mean, street scene to me was one of the early outdoor multi-stage festivals and it was in downtown san diego and it was it's really before it kind of the festivals became totally, festivals yes, right and absolutely and and by the way to be able to do what they did back then in downtown san diego not would easy seem, would seem to be a harder thing to do today because san diego has grown up so much from 15 20 years ago but but that concert um, or festival, if you will, street scene. That was a great thing. And then they blew the whole thing up once they moved it over to the parking lot at Qualcomm Stadium. It was not the same deal. Yeah, and so, you know, Bosa and all the development, all these ace parking lots that were land banking for the developers or the guys that owned the land until they sold the developers started getting bought, started getting developed. And he ran out of space. But they were doing 30,000 people a day, you know, three nights. And a lot of people coming down from L.A., obviously all San Diegans. It was B and C talent. Um, there was some A talent, but it was a lot of the A talent that you and I would know today when they were kind of B and C on their mm -hmm. way up. He mm -hmm. did a really good job with that. Um, and so he had to move it to Qualcomm because he ran out of space and they did half the attendance. And then I think they moved it to the amphitheater last year and street scene as we knew it was dead. The secret sauce of street scene was the streets and the scene of downtown. And even 20 plus years ago, a different scene than it is today. I, one of the things that you and I talk about all the time is when you go down to the gas lamp and you're part of that experience, it is something that is unbelievable. You know, just having that ability to do something that is so fun. And you see all the other events around it just get accentuated because people want to get in hotels. They want to hang afterwards. They want to go to the nightclubs afterwards. So. Paul Thornton, you know, uh, eight plus years came to me and said, you know, we should do something in San Diego. I want to do this thing. I'd like you to be a partner and invest in it and um, and be part of it. And so that started about an eight year deal where he was really investigating a lot of things through San Diego. And to the point now where for the last, um, you know, three and a half years, he was working with uh, the city and the, the port of San Diego and um, finalized. He finalized a deal that. Um, has locked up uh, a bunch of land around the port on a multi-year deal to create a new event. Um, 
and uh, a new festival on the water with several different venues that is, I would say, like street scene on steroids. It's probably not the right thing to call it, but activates the water, activates uh, what's special about San Diego that's minutes away from any hotel. So you can walk in and out of the festival. You can head back to your hotel room and take a nap. Uh, One of the things that uh, people even see, whether it's Kaboo or even other festivals, is they get... um, they get concert fatigue, right? So if, you're, if you know that the concert's going on from 12 to 10 at night on that Saturday, for example, um, and you really want to see Billy Idol or somebody like that that's at 2.30, but you know what kind of once you go into these places, because most of these festivals take people out of the city center and they take you to Golden Gate Park or they take you to Coachella or they take you somewhere out. So once you enter the facility... You're there for the day. Right. It's not like you could go to Kaboo. You can't go to Kaboo at Del Mar and go there and go, hey, I'm going to go for one show and then I'm going to come back later. The parking's insane. The Ubering's ridiculous. And you're not staying in any hotels unless no. you're one of the couple hundred people that may be at the Hilton across the street right. or whatever. So you're there. You're there for the day. You're saying in a downtown festival, people could kind of go to one stage, go chill out, go to a restaurant, hey, whatever. You, let's go to, you know, let's go have a steak. At six, we'll have a steak from six to eight, and then I'll meet you for the headliner here or there. Or we're going to go from 12 to two on this stage, and then we're going to come over and meet you here. Then we're going to go from four to six in and out. Oh, by the way, my wife's going to take a nap there. She's going to get her coat because it's going to get a little cooler later on at night. Yeah, we're going to go back to the hotel. We're going to get some. I, I understand. Yeah. So, so is this locked and loaded? Is this a yeah. done deal? Okay, so yeah. is there a name for this festival? There is. Will you tell us? I'm is thinking, it out there? I'm thinking about it. Kind of out there, but not really out there. Well, if it's already out there a little bit. But it's not really out there, officially. I'm going to think about it as okay. we talk about this. Okay. We, may, uh, we, we may do the reveal at, at the end here. So, <laughs> so at the end, what, what Paul wanted to create, and, and me being an investor in it, and, and part of it, um, what, what we wanted to create was something that is for San Diego, by San Diego, that is speaking to the genres and the... Um, demographics of San Diego in San Diego's best location and ultimately um, giving you the best in food and beer and culture and really about bringing the best group of people, entities, partners, and, and what we would want you to feel about this festival at the end of the day is that this is your franchise. So you lost the Chargers. You lost something that was near and dear to your heart. Here comes your festival that's all about you in San Diego that gives you other, you know, uh, things that other people from out of town maybe don't get that I won't go into too much that we'll reveal later on, but makes you feel really special about this event and genres. Well, like paint yeah. a picture for me. Yeah. So, so anybody who's listening right now is going, okay, Ernie, this sounds like a really smart idea. By the way, I love the fact that you're thinking about bringing things to San Diego as we're losing things in San Diego. Yeah. Paint a picture. Where, where are stages? You, you talk about activating the, the downtown water. Yeah. Where, where, give me an idea. I mean, I, I'm not, again, whether or not everything's etched in yeah, stone. No, but it just is. It vision. is. Not everything's set. So, okay, so go ahead. You, you might, uh, you know, you'd see a stage at South Embarcadero. You'd see a stage at North Embarcadero. You'd see a stage right around Seaport Village in the parking lot. Or Fifth Avenue Landing, maybe Broadway Pier. So you're activating all of these cool spots on the water that are unique to the city core and the water activation, the ease of walking, that you're a 15-minute walk from any of these hotels to any one of these stages for the most part. And the different stages then representing different genres of music. So it's hard if you go into one big festival and I put an EDM stage next to a country stage next to a Latin stage. Doesn't really mix. But when you get these unique zones that have their own kind of identity and their space, you can do that. And ultimately, as I would say, uh, you know, 31% of this population of San Diego is Hispanic. Uh, last time I checked, about 20 minutes to the south of downtown San Diego, Either 99 or 100% of the population across the border is Hispanic. It's a huge opportunity to have their voice heard to, instead of building up walls and talking about how big the wall is, talk about this is a big part of the culture and who we are in San Diego. 
You know, I was just grinding on El Napolito Mexican food yesterday. I mean, and you and I have talked about this. If I could eat Mexican food every day, I would. <laughs> and most of the time I do. <laughs> when I leave and I go out of town, I miss Mexican food. It's something that is intrinsically part of a San Diegan. You know, when I had, I used to, in college, all my friends would come down, we'd take them to Roberto's back then, right? And they just, every time they come back down, they go, oh my God, can we go to Roberto's? Yeah. It wasn't the zoo. wasn't SeaWorld. Yeah. Take me down to the water. That, that all could be, look, we got to go to our World Tacos with guacamole first. So, um, I think when you look at that, when you look at country and you look at the military and you look at one of the hottest genres, certainly that, these are two genres that in general don't make it into a lot of festivals. They do a little bit on some of the crossover. You'll see a little crossover in Coachella. Of course, they have Stagecoach, but they're two really important genres in addition to EDM, in addition to uh, R&B in addition to pop and AAA and all the other things that are a big part. So, uh, and then you want to create kind of an emerging talent. You really, this time of year is going to be, uh, it's going to be the weekend before Thanksgiving. So it has a chance to, more importantly, a lot of festivals come when the city's busy. Oh, we'll do August. We'll do September. The city of San Diego doesn't need any help in August or September. All the hotels are busy. The TMD doesn't really want to be giving out money for people to come into town at that point, which is the tourism district. But they're in charge of putting out $38 million a year to entities and groups to say, come create something. You want to bring your conference? Come put heads in beds. But here's the times we really need it. Well, it just so happens to be that when you get around Thanksgiving and a little bit before Thanksgiving is the slowest time. And so now the difference that I would say in other festivals is, is that every bar, every hotel, Every restaurant, every business downtown San Diego that normally has one of their worst weekends now has a chance to have one of their best, if not their best year long. So probably a pretty good chance they're going to do everything they can to jump on and help and be part of. And that's where we are. That's I love what, the that's, vision. That's I, what we're seeing. I, I love the, the end, vision. And at the end of the day, this will expand. And at the end of the day, um, when we're sitting here a year or two years from now, as the arena continues to crank and do its 130 events, and I'm right in the middle of this each and every day, every night, every morning. I think I told you that. I get six hours of sleep. So if I go to sleep at 8.30 in the morning, I'm up by 3. I mean, 8.30 at night, I'm, I'm up by 3. I get six hours. So constantly on a lot of different things. I've got a ton of passion for this arena, and, I, and we've turned this into a really good spot. I've got a ton of passion for this new project and what Paul and his vision is, and that's what he's done. You know, he sold his company, you know, 11 years ago, and this is his passion product. And we just happen to be really good partners on that. And uh, I'm happy to play my part in that with his vision and what he's been doing. And I think uh, the city and, and certainly the port and the county. Uh, I would, the last thing I would say, maybe not the last thing on this is, there's so many things that as San Diegans and Californians and Americans, we disagree on now. We can't talk politics because you're either on one side or the other. Nobody wants to talk that's about why, that. That's why you get right. sided. That's get why sided. you go to sided right there. That's, right. Exa that's exactly the, the whole concept is, is that everybody's yeah. arguing about something. Everybody's arguing about something. Yep. But at the end of the day, if I'm at a dinner party with you and we have five other couples at the end of the day, I always say, I don't want to talk politics because at the end of the day, somebody will get aggro on it. They had a little too much wine, and then they'll start spouting off the word of whatever, right or left. And at the end of the day, I'm 51 years old. I kind of know where I'm at on politics. I don't need to make it really vocal. I just kind of do my thing. I want to work on projects and do cool things. There's more damage that can be done than anything positive there. I might give you insight, but I'm not going to change Scott Kaplan's opinion on where he is fundamental to the core. So one thing that I think that we'll create out of this Every Republican, every Democrat, every independent, right, left, you know, heterosexual, not, doesn't matter, Hispanic, English, uh, we all love music. Music brings people together. Music actually breaks down barriers. It doesn't put them up. It doesn't build walls. And we need more of that. And so what we're creating is something that I think will bring all of San Diego together under a platform that people love in music and unite people with the best music, the best food, the best in all the micro brews and, and art and entertainment. 
And how do we light up San Diego and create something special and, and even take it the next stage over time that I can't talk about, but um, that's where my passion is. And I've got other businesses that we do and uh, by day I'm doing the arena full time and all that and, and also working on this other project. Uh, this is something I'm super passionate about and I'm hoping anybody hearing this goes, wow, I think that's a great idea and I'd love to be part of that. And yeah, you end up being able to buy a three day pass to this thing for $225. You can't afford not to come with all the stuff you're going to see. People are going to then show up. It ends at 10 o'clock at night. And then there'll be all the after parties and the smaller clubs with a lot of these acts and artists. So you can go as late night as you want, or you can go back and sleep it off, or you can go and just hang. There'll be people that just come down to San Diego and say, by the way, I'm not coming to any of this, but I'm watching it all and I'm partying it and I'm, I'm part of that. It's about bringing us all together as a city and uniting and experiencing something special. Um, I really feel excited that we have something unique and special. And as you mentioned earlier, we kind of hit a time in our life where we realize what we're really good at, right? You know what you're really good at. I know what I'm really good at. I also know things that I'm not as good. And you get partners and friends and other people that fill those gaps. Um, and this is what I'm really good at. I'm really good at bringing people together with my passion, with my energy. And I'd like to think that over the last 27 years, I've, I've proven that I've, we've been able to activate a now a 52-year-old building and still make it relevant. I don't know of any other 52-year-old buildings that still kick ass in their own market. I'm not saying that because of me. I've got a great team and all that stuff. But it takes a lead. It takes a passion. And you got to really care about it. It'd be, I guess, would it be easier to care about a, a brand new $500 million building? I, I don't know. I like That seems kind of easy. It's like, well, I got... I got the latest and greatest of everything. Like, we just have to work a little harder. We have to dig a little deeper. We have to roll up the sleeves a little bit more. And yet, here we are. You know, Travis Scott's coming on February 4th. Michael Buble, Justin Timberlake, um, ASAP Rocky. It just goes, you know, YG. It just goes on and on. Elton John at this end of this month. These, I, I said this last time with the Rolling Stones. I'll say it again here. Elton John, when he leaves the Staples Center and he's heading south for our building, he's not stopping in San Clemente and getting out and flying back to Philadelphia. And Elton John, be Elton John, that looks just like him but isn't quite Elton John's coming because this is now a 52-year-old building. It's the same fucking Elton John. And he just happens for the San Diegans, he's going to be playing in a venue that's 4,000 seats smaller than his next you know, smallest venue. It's pretty cool. He, Elton John's playing the same spot that Led Zeppelin played seven shows and Paul McCartney and Pink Floyd and Garth Brooks. And I guess the easier way to say anybody you can think of other than the Beatles has been here. That's cool shit. And the fact that we're still relevant is awesome. The fact that now at 51 that we have a vision on what we want to do to even take it to the next level um, on kind of sports and entertainment in San Diego with Paul's vision that he had and that I'm a part of that as an investor and, and helping him out. Uh, I think it's really cool. And, you know, when we sit down in a couple of years from now on round three of the podcast, I hope that people would say, you know what? We heard that. We heard him talking about it. We've been part of that. We've seen it. We were a sponsor. We were a partner. We just went and hung out. Isn't that cool what we've created for San Diego? I'm tired of convention centers not getting done. I'm tired of teams leaving town. Oh, San Diego's a shitty city. This and that. Fuck. I, if you need to leave, leave. I'm not going anywhere. This is the best city in the world. And you can either take shots at things and just say, that sucks. Or you can actually say, I love this city. How do I help make it better? Okay. It's always easier to say, this sucks. Pile on. Fuck it. I'm always about like, and we'll talk about some other things like, like this now resonates with me. How do I make it better? Okay. I, I have an idea. And I've also heard a rumor. Yeah. So I'll, I'll throw it at you. Okay. What do you got? I heard you were considering running for mayor. <laughs> I was. Actually, I was. Yeah, I was. This, uh, I mean, you just asked, how can I make this city better? Yeah. And now you're saying that you were past tense yeah. thinking about running for mayor. Now, look, you're busy with this building. You've yeah. got this new passion project for this new phenomenal yeah. festival. Uh, festival that you're going to put on right before Thanksgiving. By the way, is that happening in 19? 19. Unbelievable. Yeah, so it's 20, already happening. So it's already there. Okay. Yeah. So, so, and I want to get back to the festival because yeah. it's important to, because I want to talk about the business of it first. Yeah. But 
again, I, I don't know how you could possibly run for mayor of this city, but I heard a rumor that you were considering it. And the person who told me said you should encourage him to do so. <laughs> I don't think it's a great job. And I yeah. think I don't think you want to take the pay cut. But I think so. We, I, I, you know, and if I would have ran, I would have announced a year and a half ago. I would have gotten out of this early to kind of get the brand recognition and done that and already started doing it. Um, it's it's something I think I would like to do, certainly in the future. Uh, I want to give back to the city, and I feel like it needs uh, people like you and people like me to do that. Um, it's not my time right now. Uh, there are other projects and other things. Uh, I have a son that's now a senior in high school. Uh, he'll leave at the end of this year. Uh, it frees up a little of that bandwidth because I've always tried to make times to just like you have to coach our kids be around our kids I heard you talking about your daughter the other day sounds like she scored a goal that was awesome her first high school varsity goal I was proud of her I was mad I wasn't there (laughs) yeah but people are blowing you up I'm sure it's on video I'm sure you saw it I haven't seen it yet all right well congratulations thank you I'm so so happy that's always I think about my daughter that's up in the Bay Area with a company called Ginger uh which is this incredible company. It's an app-based company, and it's all about mental health, which I want to get back to before the end of this, so remind me on that. Um, and my son, who's finishing up at his senior year at the University of St. Andrews and has a job already with Merrill Lynch coming back, so he'll be back in San Diego in, in June. Um, and now my son. So it frees up some of the bandwidth. Unfortunately, all that freed-up time is already kind of spoken for, right? Some passion projects. This arena, the extension that we're in the middle of with the city, which we're going to get. Um, and then, you know, uh, got some development stuff behind the scenes. So, I, you know, I'm, I would say if I could do it and fill the four in the morning to five in the morning slot, possibly. But as run for mayor and stuff, it takes all slots. And you do take a, a, a big pay cut, ultimately. I think that's something for me maybe the next round down the line. Maybe that's five or seven years from now. I'm 51. Maybe that's when I'm in my late 50s or, or 60. Uh, I'd like to probably give that a shot. Not because I need to do it or hear myself speak, or, but, but I, think, I think there's some dark times down at City Hall right now and where we're headed. And, and I just went through the first process with when we did the naming rights. And um, it's just a lot of work. And I get it. Everybody has, and it's a thankless job at the end. Um, but San Diego needs leadership. It's going to continue to need leadership, and it's something that we'll definitely, uh, definitely look at and consider. I'm glad you talked about this, and, I'm, and I think that you'd be a great mayor. I do, and I think that um, it's unfortunate that more guys who are currently in the position to have the financial freedom to do it don't actually want to do it. Yeah. Like you're talking about maybe in X number of years. Yeah. Well, of course. I mean, you're dealing, like I said, with the arena. You're going to build this, this festival – and with that, whatever else you have going on, you want to find a sweet spot of right time in my life, right financial time in my life. All that, right? You know, and now you I, and can, I talk about it all the time, yeah, right? I don't, like I'm not like being, you got you got all the yeah. all the kids. Like the, these things don't they don't grow. Your money doesn't grow on trees, and uh, having kids is really expensive in San Diego. Super expensive. So you got to figure that. And then, but the the crazy part, we think about all of these things at the end. And I'm going to go back to a buddy of mine that just passed away a week ago because I was thinking about the, the health and all that. And it really puts it in perspective again. Our most valuable commodity that we have is time. And you don't think about it in your 30s. And you think about it some in your 40s. I'm just telling you at 51, I'm thinking about time. Forget how much I'm making on this or that. My most valuable commodity is time. I want to wake up in the morning like I did this morning. And I want to be in the water at 6.15, and I want to surf for two hours. I want to get out on the side of the road. I'm going to take a shower on the side of the road, my five-gallon bucket. I'm going to soap up. I'm going to come straight into work. I'm going to work my ass off during the day. I'm going to uh, see people like you during the day and other people that I'm working on deals. I get super excited about that. I'm going to work late. I'm going to see my wife later. I, I mean, time is the most precious commodity, and we only have so much of it. And you see it now because look at your parents. Look at that. There's a big difference between 50 and 51 and 75 and 80. How many great years do we have to really put passion into things, right? I don't know if that's 20 years, 25 years. We live like, So time. And so I think about that now. I get super motivated. What happened? Did okay. something happen here recently? Yeah. So a buddy of my, uh, a really good friend, and, uh, and people will be listening to this, a good friend of mine, Jerry Keeney, uh, just passed away and actually committed suicide. 
And uh, how old a guy was he? He's 54. And I, I don't know him, but I feel like my children must go to school with his because I've heard a little bit about this. Yeah. And I'm maybe a big, big real estate broker in town. And I would just say, like, my next, if I had another project, I want to kind of tie it into my, my caddy hack this year. And maybe it's half boys to men, half something else that I'm going to create. I don't know what it's going to be. But I feel like, and just, just think about this. Anybody that's out there at home, think about it. Have you ever thought about suicide? Ever even, like, like been in a really dark place where you just said, am I really needed? Uh, like, what would be the worst thing that happened? And at the end of the day, you see all these ads. Mental health is a big deal. This phone that just, by the way, since we've been talking, has blown up like 14 times. I probably had 10 texts and 20 emails. Somehow I got to get to all this fucking shit during the day. And I got to respond with vigor and passion. And I got to do that. And all the bills keep coming in. Got to run all these projects. At some point, something fucking gives. You just can't be Superman all the time or Superwoman. It's hard. And you can pull away for, for a week. You can go to Cabo for three or four days. Guess what? This is still here. This stacks up. Now you're stacked up for hours and hours trying to dig out. It's too much at the end. How do you deal with it? And as men, we're taught to fucking man up. Deal with it. You're the man. If this happened to Jerry Keeney and he had been in an accident about three weeks ago and, and um, so he was suffering and, and I'm sure he was uh, on some, some painkillers. He had a blo- broken clavicle and all that kind of stuff. And I didn't even know all this stuff was going on. Um, but he's not with us. It wasn't a better dad that spent more time with his kids at every level, loved to be outdoors with them, did everything. If it can happen to him, it can happen to anybody. Well, the thing is, is you just never know, A, what's going on in somebody's real life. They may drive a fancy car or live in a big fat house and they could be completely flat broke or totally in debt or completely leveraged or whatever. That's number one. Number two, you don't know what's going on in somebody's personal relationship. But but when you talk about mental health, and I've had to deal with this myself, not me personally, but I've had to deal with this with a relationship that's been unfortunately destroyed, yeah. all mental health related. Yeah. And um, when you don't know that Jerry, and I don't, I don't know anything about him, but when something's wrong with somebody, when they kill themselves, something is wrong with them. Yeah. And we don't even know half the time the therapy they may be going to or not going to, the meds that they may or may not be on. You just never know what's going on because the way you describe it is, Great husband, great father, rich guy, you know, successful, et cetera. And you never, you never know. And so, and as men were taught, you deal with it and we got to talk about it. By the time anybody has a chance to call the 1-800-SUICIDE line, never happens. I just can't imagine somebody thinking they're in such a dark spot. You know, thank God I've got the line. I'm going to call it right now. The damage has been done at that time, at that moment. As I tell my kids all the time. You don't get a mulligan in the morning when you do that. You're in such a dark place at the time, and one second can define where you go the next day. And so uh, we're going to do something through the golf tournament. I don't know if we're going to create a foundation or we're going to do but I want to have a place where people can I know. And maybe, go. And, and you yeah. know what? Listen, when you think about suicide, and I, know, I don't want to get too dark because I yeah. do want to finish up on but a really high important listen, to talk about. But listen, when you think about suicide in the last 10 years, I can think of guys in our town that you know that I'll say their names, you'll know. Mike Whitmarsh. Yeah. Junior Seau. Yeah. Um, here's another one for you that you, you may remember. Um, Julianne Hug. Yeah. My, my friend Julianne Hug. Uh, yeah. My friend Bertrand Hug. You know, yeah. you know Bertrand. Yeah. I mean, I, I was there the day. Yeah. I, I was on suicide watch. for they, I was sent to his house to watch him because of what had happened to his son. And I don't want to get too dramatic about it. But, I mean, I can, and there's probably other names along the way. But do you remember, like, but here, here's what I don't remember. I and I know they talk about the military and it's 10X and all that stuff. I, I'm running into a lot of people now as we talk about this stuff. Everybody knows, not one, two, like several people that this has happened to, that had everything to live for, that had made money, had done all of this stuff, that had a great wife and kids and all that stuff. So there's, there's a tipping point. There's a breaking point. And I think we need to find out how we talk about this thing and talk through it and have a safe place that people can go because nobody's calling the random line 
but whether it's the life coach they can talk to, if, if it's, I don't know what the I'll answer say, is you know, at the just, end, but I'm just, but I'm just telling you, there's, there is an answer. But, but you know what? You, you think about you, you talk about caddy hack, and for people that that listen on the radio show, they've they've heard us broadcast out there. They know about the great work you do for an organization we both support, Boys to Men. There's probably a model already there right. that the male mentors work with the young boys to keep them out of trouble. There's probably a model already in place for people who have. Um, and by the way, if you have to answer that, go for it. There are people who have, um, who, who have had these mental health-related issues, who've battled them, and who can mentor other. I mean, we, we must figure this out because it's not just men. It's men and women. It's young people. It's older people. But, but it's, it's not about getting more exposure exclusively for suicide prevention. It's, no. it's about how do you deal with the mental health? How do you get to them before they reach that that's tipping it. point? It's about preventing because once you get to that point, nobody's calling that line. Yeah, that's, that's the right. deal. So it's educating. So dealing with that, we had a... Uh, at a funeral the other day and I had a really nice reception uh, at a friend's house that I met that brought us together and he said, oh, Jerry used to talk about you all the time. You know, we'd be paddling twice a week and he said, you'd try to get him down to Black Beach, but it's too big. He didn't want to go down there. But so I just, my heart, uh, it, 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 it breaks for his four kids uh, and I, I think about him. And so I hear that. I don't want to go to another one of these fuckers. I, I don't want to hear this see this again and I probably will but I want to do my piece now in educating so that we can make it a little bit better along the line so that's an, that'll okay, be another but, project but that but we it, but it all gets back to what you're talking about this all got started with passion yeah you were passionate about wanting to create this music festival this death has brought even more passion because now you're thinking about time I mean yeah. it, it's all very much intertwined yeah I just want to spend one minute though yeah. before we get out of here because I know it's, it's yeah. getting long Explain, if you could, just from a business standpoint, because a lot of people who listen to this now become accustomed to learning about people's businesses, which yeah. I find fascinating. When you go out to, you have a partner, he's got this track record of success, you have the arena and the political clout in San Diego, you guys decide you want to go put on this festival. Obviously, to do this, it costs a lot of money to yeah. do, right? Yeah. And you got to book bands, and you got to have the right artists, and, and you talk about different genres, so Hispanic over here, and country over here, and EDM there, and, and rock over here. It's going to take a lot of big name acts, especially to credentialize this event immediately, so when you go out to say, this is how much money we need, you go into the investment community looking for investment dollars. My first question is, are you closed? Like if people are listening to this and go, man, I want to not just go. I, I don't yeah. want to just buy tickets. Fuck, I'd like to invest in a thing like that. And I realize, you know, you have to be a, you know, an accredited investor. Yeah. Not everybody who's listening is yeah. going to put in $5,000. Right. I'm talking about real investors, like yeah. big money. Yeah. Are you closed, number one? Number two, just real quickly, what, what is the sell to an investor? Like, how would an investor feel like, this is a money-making project I really want to be involved in? Yeah, I mean, it's a, at first, it's a passion product. I think the other thing is, um, uh, we're not closed on 100% of it. We're probably the last 15% uh, dealing with a couple groups right now that we're raising. So, um, hopefully, by the time everybody listens to this, we are. <laughs> but... Um, Certainly, I think, uh, you know, that's one of the strengths that Paul had coming into this and, and why uh, I think so highly of him when he, when he started going on this project and why I wanted to invest myself and be part of it um, is because this is what I think he's as good as anybody in the business on while still keeping it local and unique to San Diego. So um, I guess your question was... My question is, is if you're an investor, if somebody yeah. says, look, I want to yeah. put... Hundred thousand dollars, right. two hundred thousand dollars. I think the way we look at it, there's on, on a deal like this, you put a pref on it so that your money's at work on something. Some of the differences in why we think this has a has a much quicker learning curve than a lot of these other festivals that lose money for two or three years, or some of them that just don't get off the ground at all, is location, location, location. One, I don't think there's a better location in the United States, maybe the world, for a festival. Two, the city. Three, the time of year. The fact that you have the port. Um, putting significant dollars in infrastructure and as a sponsor on it is the first part. Usually you go to a fairgrounds or somewhere else and they say, that's great. Here's what you're paying me in rent and here's all the expenses versus come in and you can have this, this, and this as part of the deal and we'll invest infrastructure and equipment and harbor police or whatever is part of the deal. And by the way, we'll write a check as a sponsor of this thing. That's how much we well, love a great it, start. as you experience. Yeah. And then I think when you get to the TMD, which is the turn mystery. They look at it and go, you're taking one of the worst times of the year. We love what you're doing. This is all what we're about. 
And so we will commit so much in funds. When you look at that in the first year, you have a real fighting chance to actually make money the first year because you're already probably a million dollars ahead on some of the infrastructure costs and expenses that you would have. And then at the end, like I said, I don't know of an entity downtown that doesn't want to be part of this. Like, nobody wants to bury their head. Like, how do we help support? How do we make this bigger? Because we directly benefit from this. 100%. So it's a, it's a different model, right? Versus saying, hey, it's too loud where you're at. Or you got to be shut we, down we by as, this time. We as citizens don't yeah. like this here. Mm-hmm. Or uh, we're on state land and we don't like that. You need to find another location versus, I can't believe you're taking the time and effort to invest to bring something in that we want to be part of where I think every entity sees it and wants it. And then on a bigger picture thing is we want this to be something so intrinsically tight that you feel it as a San Diegan, that this is your festival. You feel proud in it. And so there's a lot that's going to come out in the next you know several months and so many good things that are going to continue with the arena as we do that and we get our extension and with lacrosse and the hockey and we've got all these great concerts. I, people think it's a downtime for San Diego. I look at it, at least in my world and what I'm trying to do, like I don't think it's ever been better. Opportunity. Like I think the opportunity. You leave town, you want to go up and fight for L.A., fucking go. Like I'm thinking with everybody we know, Let's put our best game face on, and when it's not succeeding there, it's go time to bring them back. How do I get? How do I help there with the passion and all that stuff? I don't have the billion dollars or the three billion dollars to write there, but we all know the people that do, that are real human beings that love this town and have passion for it the same way. And that's what you've always been passionate about. It wasn't like nobody worked harder to keep the Chargers here and there. I, I love how everybody's like, "Oh my God, that's the guy we don't want to talk to because he just hates on him so much." Well. Part of the problem is nobody fought harder for them than when they were here, whether they were on the station or not. Nobody had more people on the airwaves. Nobody showed up at the House of Blues throwing these parties for thousands of people, activating people. And that's why it hurts. If people want to know, well, why does Scott have such a hard time? Because nobody worked harder as a part of the media, even when they weren't getting paid and the station wasn't getting paid, to keep this team and, and it really came down to the community and the passion. You saw that and said, I'm a fan. My family's a fan. San Diego's a fan. This is good for San Diego. So therefore, it's good for the radio station in the end. And I'll have that conversation with my GM at the end of the day. But if he goes, oh, by the way, but they're not paying and they're not actively sponsoring. It is good for business to have that business involved with it. And so I think that's a good place where we get and where you and I see things eye to eye. And where I see you having a place in Wonderfront is, you know, we get going on, and that's that's what you're going to hear, Wonderfront. So, so you've just revealed, yeah. You, you, so the name of the festival is Wonderfront. That's what it is. Wow, that's a great name. That so, is a great name. Yeah. Well, listen, let me just say this: um, Round three can be soon. People love your opinions. They love to hear you talk and ramble and go and 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 do your thing. So let's make round three a lot sooner. I'm ready. I think maybe at the end of uh, you know first year of of uh, of no of our man. Year. There'll be, be between now before and that? then. We'll, okay. do, we'll definitely there's a lot. Wonderful. There's a lot to go on, and there's a lot of cool things that are going on. And I'm I'm just uh, I'm thankful at the end. I would say for people like you in my life, and I'm thankful for uh, the opportunities I've been given. And this is now our time. You find your time to step up where you do what you're really good to bring people together. And I think in when I talked about Jerry earlier and anybody listening out there, if you haven't told somebody you love them recently, uh, but you even think that all stuff, it's a quick text. It's a quick call. Let people know how you feel about them. Give them your passion. You never know when that might just make a difference in somebody's life, good or bad and different. And it takes about, you know, less than a second on a text and probably takes 30 seconds on a call uh, or on an email uh, or in person. Give somebody a hug. Let them know you love them. And I think those are the things that set a foundation where people trust, they believe, and they want to get on the same team as those people that do that. Because it's fucking easy to tear down and to build up walls and just say, this is the way it is. You know, we all have to get together to make this city better. And um, I'm committed to that. I know you are. And I hope anybody that's listened to this, if they got any fire or passion out of this conversation, I'd say jump in. You know, the water's warm and it's shallow. And we're in San Diego. Things are pretty good. 
One of the things I really loved about being with Ernie and talking to Ernie is the, the passion that he brings. He was so passionate about bringing this street festival to San Diego and it being about San Diego. You had to be able to feel that as you were listening to that. And that's the way I feel. And he gave me this great compliment that that's how I feel about what I'm working on and and trying to fulfill um, uh, uh, an answer to a problem that people in my industry are having, which is the the lack and the inability to monetize Twitter followings and and not just the problem that that influencers face, but also the users. I mean, people are on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram all day long, and they never receive anything for their time and their opinions. And that's what I'm trying to solve. And so I have a great passion for that. And Ernie, you could just feel him vibrating when he was talking about his festival and his love for this community. And and as things were unfortunately leaving, trying to build things and bring things. Uh, It was really great to hear him and, and feel him on that. And it was interesting to hear him talk about wanting to run for mayor at the right time in his life. I thought that was pretty interesting also. So I hope you enjoyed this week. Uh, I know I certainly did. And a bunch of new features coming in the solo podcast. So stay tuned for those, including my new series called Badass Bitches, which is all about women who just rock and crush in business, in life, etc. My phone is ringing as I'm waiting for a call. And my Supper Club series, which I'll get to next time. Okay. I got to go. I got to take this call. Until next time. Another great guest that was interviewed by Scott on the weekly solo podcast that I never keep they drugs. Keep it locked and make sure after you listen, share the latest volume, tune into the next edition.